One of our favorite things to do at the end of the season is to look at all of the new top 100 lists and see who who was considered to be one of the best prospects in baseball. And Fangraphs just dropped their top 100. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And like I said in the open, we're talking about a top 100 list here. Baseball America and MLB Pipeline are the ones that everybody's familiar with. Those are kind of the first tier with Baseball America being considered probably one of the best. But after that, there's different organizations that make their own top 100 list. Prospects 1500 is one um, that I that I spent a lot of time looking at. Prospects Live and Fangraphs ranks prospects as well. They dropped their top 100 list just the other day, and Eric Longenhagen wrote up something about the update. And I thought it was really interesting to look at specifically the guys that increased their future value on the list. So who became, who moved up into the 60 tier? Who moved up into the 55 tier? Um, Who moved into the 65 tier? I think it's really interesting. So when you look at this list, uh, they have everybody ranked, they have them in tiers based on future value. And just a reminder, 50 is major league average. So there you go. And then 65 there's two guys that have a 65 grade. And so they are number one and number two. Number one, Gunnar Henderson. We've talked about Gunnar Henderson a ton. I don't think we need to relitigate Gunnar Henderson. If you want to make Gunnar Henderson your number one prospect, there it is very hard to argue with Gunnar Henderson being a top three prospect in baseball. Get it. Uh, some places already have him as having graduated, no longer having prospect eligibility. Either way, very hard to argue with Gunnar Henderson at number one. Fangraphs puts Yuri Perez at number two. And I think this is really interesting here. So you'll remember Yuri Perez, pitcher for the Marlins. The thing here is 6'8", 220. So he is a massive human being, right? Um, he is incredibly tall. Still kind of, as far as weight and strength, still kind of wiry, you know, so not incredibly massive when it comes to his weight, but his size, meaning his extension, his long limbs. And the note that Fangraphs gives for Yuri Perez, found it very interesting. His size, his stuff, his polish, and his on-mound athleticism are exceptional. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, it's for being 6'8", and we've had this conversation before on this show about the concept of proception, but understanding where your limbs are at a subconscious level and being able to control your body uh, in a, a subconscious manner. So you see it a lot in youths when they have a growth spurt, and that first couple months after the growth spurt, You'll see like a kid will stumble more, 
or they'll trip on stuff or they'll, you know, they just, they don't have that subconscious understanding of where, how long their arms and legs are. Yuri Perez does a fantastic job of understanding where his limbs are and ultimately how to control them so that he can keep the walks down. He walked 25, you know, Double A, walked 25 hitters in 75 innings. So right at three walks per nine innings while striking out over 12 and a half. Absolutely love when I watch, I mean, his love his fastball. I think it's a 70 grade. Love his slider and his changeup. I think they're both 60 grade. And the comp that Fangraphs gave, and not a not a full comp, but more so of the Size, athleticism, the mechanics of CC Sabathia. As far as the height, uh, the way that they that they throw the ball uh, doesn't work for everything. Obviously, Yuri's right-handed, uh, not as not as heavy as CC Sabathia was, uh, and doesn't have a changeup as good as Sabathia's. But I think that's a good comp as far as the physical profile, size, athleticism, mechanics. And it's hard to argue with Yuri Perez being the number one pitching prospect in baseball because of the eventual ceiling. I do think there's probably a pitcher or two that are better than him right now, but this, you know, Andrew Painter's the guy that comes to mind, but the ceiling is absolutely of somebody who can be the best pitcher in baseball if everything comes together. A couple other interesting guys that moved up from the, uh, into the 60 tier when it comes to future value. Jackson Churio and Ellie De La Cruz are both in there. And this is an interesting case. Guys, we've talked about before. Uh, I'm high on Ellie De La Cruz. I have unapologetically been high on Ellie De La Cruz for a while. Jackson Churio, everybody else is high on. That's fine. And the thing with both of them is you've got swing and miss. We touched on this a bit yesterday with Jackson Churio about his... His contact rate, his end zone contact rate started off incredibly slow. Uh, he ended up he ended up finishing, I think, around 76% for the season, and that's with second half improvement. But it's something where there's disagreement in the prospect apparatus about is Jackson Churio going to have contact issues as he continues to advance. Um I think the reason you see him at 60 future value, and Eric mentions this, this in here, is they're baking in that risk, right? He said that Jackson Churio could be a 70 future value player in the future. So putting him at 60 kind of bakes in the swing and miss risk if that becomes a bigger, a significant part of the negatives to his game, that's baked into the projection, knowing that he easily could outproduce that and become a 70 future value player. Ellie De La Cruz is a guy to me that I'm confident he's going to stick at shortstop, and I'm confident because of the way he can get the power to show up that the swing and miss ends up coming out kind of worth it. He's got room, to, and they they touch on this, he's got room to strike out a bunch and still be a, short, a star shortstop because of how much that power is going to influence a game. I think about a guy, a good example of this in action for from another rookie is O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz strikes out a lot, but when O'Neill Cruz gets into one, he gets into one. Uh, same situation here when it comes to Ellie De La Cruz. 
and a guy that I absolutely think can impact a game at a high level. Another guy on the list that gets up to a 60 value, James Wood. Another super tall guy, 6'7", A-ball, outfield prospect for the Nationals. Something where he's successful despite being 6'7". I mean, 6'7", 240 by the Padres, was moved over in the Juan Soto deal. And the thing here is, and this is why I like the way that Fangraphs does their stuff, right? Because they go in here and they have in-person scouting influences a lot of this list. And so I think that's part of the reason why you see guys in different places than other things. I mean, they've got they've got Mick Abel at number 20. I don't think I've seen anybody else have Mick Abel that high, but it's based off of in-person scouting. The in-person scouting for James Wood that puts him at a 60 value, they note that he's got swing and miss concerns being sick, you know, which is something that we expect to see from a guy who is 6'7", but they explain that the swing and miss is more pitch recognition issues than it is like a physical, I can't get all of these levers to work in time or in sync to reach that ball in the zone. And that is something that can be fixed. A pitch recognition issue is something that you can improve on as a guy progresses. He is 19 years old, so he is young. He is new to professional baseball. He is new to to professional pitchers and what they can do compared to what he saw when he was in high school. Uh, but he has a very he has a very smooth and and kind of compact swing for a guy that is so big that again has you know, six of them, that pro and stuff. And then obviously the power comes out. I think he hit a peak exit velo of 112 this year. And so a situation where you're not as concerned about the swing and miss because it's something mental that can be fixed versus a mechanical issue that is inherent in his size. Uh, interesting comparison that, that Fangraphs gives. Not, and again, we don't do comps here, but just something about kind of the profile and what it reminds them of is they mentioned Adam Dunn. An extra, extra large body with very good speed and athleticism that if he fills out physically, puts on weight and slows down, it's going to hurt his defense, but his power shows up enough in games for that trade-off to still work out. So right now, very, you know... uh, Plus runner, takes him a little while to get to full speed because he's 6'7", his legs are super long. But when he does get to full speed, he's a plus runner. He's playing in center field right now, can continue to can continue to do it. But the thought process is he may end up having to move to, to right field or something like that. So uh, James Wood coming up to, to a 60 future value. I, I understand that. And then the last two guys that they mentioned, guys we've talked about in the show plenty before, Anthony Volpe and Andrew Painter. I fully support both those guys being at a 60 future value. I think Andrew Painter is one of probably the three best pitching prospects in the minor leagues. So I fully understand and appreciate that. And no complaints there. No issues there. And just a minute, I want to get to some of the guys that are at a 55 future value, including a surprising youngster or two. 
But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Roan. You may remember uh, Deion uh, Sanders said, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. And when you play good, they pay good. Well, today's sponsor is Roan. So Roan's a clothing company and the dress shirt is something that we've all had to put on at different times. Uh, It's due for a radical reinvention. Roan has stepped up to the challenge and they have created the commuter shirt. It is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here is why. So comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility to leave you free to enjoy uh, whatever life throws your way, from your commute to work to 18 holes of golf. Uh, So it is time to feel confident in a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. They have wrinkle release technology, and so wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the Roan shirt. It's very easy with odor-free technology as well. So with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. On top of that, the Roan commuter shirt is 100% machine washable so you can just ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I had an issue just recently where the dry cleaner gave me the wrong person's clothes back and I didn't notice it until I needed to wear the dress shirt and it was a big headache, big hassle. If I had if I used the Roan commuter shirt instead, that would have never happened. So, the commuter shirt can get you through any workday into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com/lockedon and use promo code lockedon to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort and upgrade your closet with Roan. Use code locked on to save 20% at R-H-O-N-E dot com slash locked on. Okay, 55 future value. There's some interesting guys that were moved up into this tier as well. Uh, some of them are, are pitchers, some of them are position players. The two, the two pitchers here, Brandon Fat and Taj Bradley. And I want to just real quick, they address this, and this is a guy we've talked about quite a bit, is Spencer Strider. They address Spencer Strider in this for their justification of moving up Taj Bradley. So Spencer Strider, we've talked about this, fastball slider is essentially his entire arsenal. He's got a changeup. He almost never throws it. It's not that great. But the fastball and the slider work very, very well together because the fastball is so good that hitters have to cheat to, to be ready for the fastball, to get up on the fastball. And when that happens, he can fool them with the slider. And so Fangraphs makes a point of pointing out that that same principle can apply to Taj Bradley. So Taj Bradley for the Rays has a 40% whiff rate this season on the slider. And the slider in and of itself isn't necessarily an amazing pitch, right? Like when you watch it visually, it doesn't have a ton of break to it, a ton of movement to it. But the fastball is so good and has all kinds of extra to it. It has late life up in the zone. He's got really good command of it. He's got good extension. 
And so the fastball is so good that hitters have to try to cheat to be ready for the fastball. And when that happens, you can get him with the slider, uh, especially to the glove side. He's very good at throwing the slider to the glove side. And so using that Spencer Strider idea there of how a two-pitch arsenal can influence a hitter, he's like, I have to move Tosh Bradley up into that tier. I absolutely get it. Makes sense to me. I am on board. The other pitching prospect is Brandon Fatt of the Diamondbacks. And Brandon Fatt's a guy that I've, I've enjoyed for a while. I think he's very good at what he does. And the thing with Brandon Fatt is he's got three different pitches that he can get swings and misses off of. He's got the fastball, he's got the slider, and he's got the changeup. Uh, he has a curveball that he throws. The curveball is very much a show-me kind of curveball to keep a guy honest. But the fastball sits mid-90s. He can touch 97 with it. Very good spin to it. He can kind of alter what it looks like. So sometimes it looks like a cutter. Sometimes it, you know, it, it, it profiles more like a traditional four-seamer. The slider has a lot of like sharp downward action to it. You know, kind of like a, like a late break sharp down. And then the changeup is good to get ground balls. Uh, can't, like I said, can't get swing and miss as well. He doesn't throw it enough. And so I do think he needs to throw uh, the changeup a little bit more. But either way, you've got three pitches that are swing and miss pitches. I absolutely understand for both of these guys saying, yeah, we're going to put them into that, that 55 future value tier because of what their pitches can do. With Fat, you've got three that can get swing and miss. With, with Bradley, you've got two. But the two are so good together off of each other as far as how well they tunnel and how well one influences a hitter's preparation for the other. Some of the position players here found them really interesting. Jackson Merrill, younger guy. So shortstop for the Padres. And Jackson Merrill's a guy that we... When he got drafted, we had questions about how much offense was going to be in that profile. We assumed it was going to be more of a contact and a power kind of thing. Didn't necessarily think that he was going to have uh, the top-end power production. I want to say the projection was 45 or 50 power. And we said, okay, he's, he's going to be a solid defender at shortstop. He's not going to be great, but he's going to be a solid defender at shortstop. He's got an above average arm. He's got decent speed. And so he's going to be a, you know, a multi-position kind of lefty utility, like lefty hitting utility guy. Think of a uh, Josh Rojas for the Diamondbacks. Um, Think of a Brandon Donovan, somebody like that, who can give you above average defense, you know, and, and decent contact ability, but not super high in power. Well, We've seen just in the small sample size that he's had in pro ball this year, he got 45 games in low A, 325, 387, 482, five home runs, 18 extra base hits, that his end zone contact percentage, 90%. So the quality of of his at-bats is there. He's making contact with pitches in the zone. And then the hard hit rate is like 44%. And some of the reports are in the, the months leading up to the draft, he added like 30 pounds of muscle. And so we can comfortably grade him at plus raw power right now. And so with the combination of the contact ability he had 
and the new raw power, you're looking at a guy who can be a top 25 prospect and can be an impact middle infielder provided that everything pans out. And so upgrading him to a 55 future value makes perfect sense to me. Some of the other guys that they moved up, uh, Curtis Mead got moved up to 55. We've talked about him on the show before. I actually went to scout him in person in Montgomery. Bat first hitter, he's got power. But we've seen a lot of defensive questions. He's already moved from the middle infield to the corners. There's questions about whether or not he can stick at third. And so if that doesn't work out, you're looking at first base, you're looking at left field. The Rays like their defense, so I question the fit in left field. And then obviously you have Manzardo, Kyle Manzardo at first base, who you're really excited about, we're really excited about. I had him as the prospect of the year for the Rays organization. And so the question is, what happens if Curtis Mead has to move to first base when you've already got these guys that you're excited about, like Manzardo and stuff there? Uh, Ronnie Mauricio, he's in here, kind of a risky uh Kind of a risky prospect. We've seen tons of raw power, a lot of swing and miss and contact concerns. So not quite sure how well Ronnie Mauricio is going to pan out. I probably have him as one of the higher risk guys in this tier. Um, And then Andy Rodriguez, catcher for the Pirates. We've talked about him a ton. Not going to relitigate Andy Rodriguez, but contact over power. Very, very good, like uncanny defensive instincts. Um... In the scouting report that Fangraphs have, they actually mentioned they saw him throw a guy out at second and he bounced the ball once and they asked him why he did that. And he said, oh, I noticed the shortstop got a late break to the bag. So I bounced it so that he had time to get in the position to field it and make the tag. Like, that's not something you can teach. That's just instinctual. Things like that are what make Indy Rodriguez special. And I, at this point, if I had to put money on it, I'd put him being the the, pitch, the catcher of the future over Henry Davis because of things like that. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the guys who are in the fall league who are who have a chance to move into the 55 future value tier, as well as some of the guys who dropped on this list. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And the new flavor is delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. So cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. It's all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of having to make it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to Built.com, snag a box for you and the family. It's the perfect treat for everybody. Or you can just find a great hiding place and hoard them for yourself. That's fine too. Like all of the Built Bars, the Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. So it's chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. Uh, Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just a quick bite between meetings, Built's the perfect, perfect protein bar. And they taste better than a candy bar. You can ditch the calories, ditch the fat, ditch the sugar by grabbing yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Okay, so a couple guys that they have here that Fangraphs has as people who could move up to the the 55 future value tier. A lot of this for them is based off of 
in like in person scouting, live scouting. So a lot of the fall league guys are guys who they're going to reevaluate. Zach Veen is on that list. We called him one of the three best outfield prospects in baseball when we did our our rankings on this show a couple of weeks ago. Jason Dominguez, another guy who's been playing well in the fall league. Um, I gave my big me a couple on him a couple weeks ago. So a guy that absolutely could could pick up. Um, Jackson Jobe, pitching prospect for the Tigers. Another guy that they think could absolutely move up into the next tier. I mean, there's a whole list here. Bo Naylor. I know he's in the playoffs right now, but Bo Naylor is a guy that they think could move from 50 to 55. Jordan Lawler, shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's at the fall league right now. I think I may have had him in my fall league total basis challenge, but either way, Jordan Lawler is a guy that could absolutely move up. Um, So lots of options here. But then some of the guys that they dropped, uh, different reasons for the guys to drop, but guys that dropped, one of them, Shane Boz, dropped down to number 51 on the list and to a 50 future value. And I think we've seen, so one, he's out for all of 2023 on Tommy John. He was late starting the season. He got a couple starts at the big league level and then boom, Tommy John. So he's out all next year. And when you watch Shane Boz, Fastball slider profile is what you see. So we've seen two different versions of Shane Boz, right? In 2020, we saw a guy that had four pitches, sat in the mid-90s, and the velocity wasn't great, but he threw four pitches and threw them effectively. And then we saw a version of him that threw in the high 90s that had the fastball and the slider and not everything else. It felt like in 2021, he did a good job of combining those. He kept the additional velocity and kept the other two pitches and then struggled a bit last year. And then when he came around this year, struggled a bit control-wise, struggled a bit with the effectiveness of his secondaries, ended up having Tommy John out for the year. And so I don't know what we're going to get when he comes back. I don't know if we're going to get the four-pitch version of Shane Boz that throws mid-90s that's a number three. I don't know if we're going to get the version that throws in the high 90s that has the fastball and the slider and that's it uh, and is an elite closer. I don't know which one of those we're going to get. But I understand the downgrade a bit because there's enough variance in the projection and then the risk on a guy coming back from Tommy John. Brett Beatty. Third baseman for the Mets, moved down to number 52, 50 future value. You'll remember he got called up this year, got about 11 games at the big leagues with two home runs, and then tore his UCL in his thumb. So had to have surgery there. Defensively, he's always looked pretty good at third base. The question's been how much was he going to strike out and what was going to happen to him at the plate. So they marked that down. The power production slipped at double A. Power production slipped in the fall. And in 2022, he just, he struggled with fastballs, especially on like on the outer third of the plate, which is not something that you can really do at the big league level. Um, If you're going to struggle with something, not that we want you to struggle, if you're going to struggle with something, struggle with like elite spin. Don't struggle with a fastball because that's kind of the fundamental pitch that everything's still based around. Uh, Nick York. 
slid down to number 90 and down to a 50 future value. So in middle infielder for the Red Sox. And the thing here is, it was actually a couple different things. Kind of a lack of power. The power just didn't really manifest in, in, in high A this year. Uh, but he had swing and miss concerns as well. 94 walks or 94 strikeouts in 80 games. And then some defensive questions as well. So uh, Nick York fell down the list a bit. Still in the top 100, but fell down to a 50 future value. Uh, I think he's probably the fourth or fifth prospect in this system now. Great rest of the week coming up. Reminder, if you have questions for the show, for the mailbag on Monday, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Until next time, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Mm-hmm.